0: Thanks for downloading this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. What a result for Wales, what a try for Josh Adams, what an incredible performance from Liam Williams, what a cameo from Dan Bigger off the bench, absolutely incredible, and we're going to be getting our teeth stuck into that over the next hour or so. Joining me to do that is Craig Munsey, good friend of the show, so i will be chatting to Craig uh, throughout the duration of this podcast. But Dan Killick, our regular co-host, was in the stadium yesterday, sampling what he described—his words, not mine—as uh, not just an electric atmosphere, but a very, very electric atmosphere. Which I didn't even know that was possible. So, uh, yeah. Before we get underway, here's a few. Uh, here's a few of Dan's trademark voice notes for you to sample a bit of the atmosphere from the stadium yesterday, and then after that, straight into the podcast with Craig. One of the finest atmospheres I've witnessed so far. It is very, very electric. land of my fathers, We're going again. Bossed those bastards, 1 to eighty. They were living off scraps. That, that try was off scraps. We've done them, 1 to eighty, And we're going to drink all night. <laughs> Anyone know who won the Wales-England game? Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast where Welsh rugby matters. That was some feeling, an heroic performance from the men in red, keeps the grand slam dream alive and notching up a record 12th victory and putting pay to the old enemy's chances in the process. Join me in this episode to take a look back at what will no doubt become a famous Welsh victory. Good friend of the show. It's Craig Muncy. How are you, Craig? Very well, thanks, Jed. How are you? good thank you you got your breath back yet uh,
1: just about yeah just about
0: <laughs> yeah i'm ready to go fantastic how uh, how does that one stack up in terms of great wins over the english where's that one on your personal list
1: oh that's got to be pretty much pretty much certainly uh, the top i would say um you know build up the week we'll be here about all about england um I have to be honest, I was a bit pessimistic. I thought it would be a narrow game, a mm. narrow result, but um, I did think England would just nick it. So uh, I'm more than happy to prove wrong on that one. So, uh, yeah, it's right up there in the list.
0: Yeah, I feel like this one's going to, you know, hopefully it will get better with time because you, you know, now you've beaten England, but you want to go on and, and, you know, title and Grand Slam and all of those kind of things. They're the things that really put a bit of, a bit of polish on it. But, yeah, I have a feeling that, Watching Josh Adams' try in the future is going to be, you know, a bit like watching the Scott Gibbs one. So, yeah, it's uh, some special moments in that game. Absolutely,
1: yeah. You know, it it's pretty special. Um, great effort to take the ball and turn and you
0: know, take it before it hit the floor as well. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty special day. Quick word for our sponsors before we get underway. So Coffee Trades. Uh, if you've not listened before, they're a fantastic young business and some really quality coffee. Uh, so if you do want to get your hands uh, on some some great stuff, then make sure you download the So Coffee app, and you'll even get 15% off your first order there as well by, uh, by ordering through the app. Right, Fact or Fiction is the first part of the show. It's really, really simple. We have five statements, and Craig and I are going to debate whether they are true or false, basically. Fact or Fiction. First one, Craig. Yep. The win over England will go down as Gatlin's greatest tactical performance to date. Fact or fiction?
1: Oof. Greatest tactical performance to date. There's been a number, hasn't there? Mm. Um, if I was going to say it was the greatest, I would probably say it was fiction. Okay. Um, for, for, you know, the, when you look at the British Lions and you know, I, I think when you out know, to New Zealand, when he um, went a little bit away from where you normally goes and where a bit more flair in the back line. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, that, and Heineken Cup, the London Was, things like that. Um, for me, I, I'd say it's fiction, but... What about What I, I do coach, say? Uh, as Wales coach, you know, the, the win against, yeah, again, England. Um, in the stadium, we won by 30 points to three. I was pretty special playing with... Yeah. You know, two open sides really, wasn't it? You know, Albert and Tipperick. Um, but again, I don't. I don't want to take away the achievement of yesterday because it
0: was, it was special. It was very special. But for me, if I have to say it was at the very
1: pinnacle, I'd probably say no.
0: Okay. I um. I tell you what. I think it's really, really close. I, I. Really good points there about that. Yeah, I agree with the Lions. And yeah, I think you could look at some of the stuff you did with, with wasps for Wales. The reason I'm going to say this is, I think there have been bigger wins. You know, I think yeah. You you look at the the thirty points to three to pick up the title. I think you also look at the the win over England in the World Cup. But I think mm. in terms of getting a getting a win over the opposition through outthinking them tactically, I think this one's right up there. And you know, like you said in the intro, we were hearing all week about how fantastic England were, and you know what a what a great side they were. How you know how fantastic the win over. Over Ireland was, you know, the, every time they kicked the ball against France, they scored. And the reality was, I think that Wales managed to nullify England's England's biggest threats. You know, in the, the back three were fantastic under the high ball. I think there were times where England in the first half got a few, you know, got a, a few past them. But the reality was, in the, in the overall game, I think the back three managed to nullify that. And also the the pick and go. And that's something that, you know, the the island and Ireland certainly didn't didn't do because England's line speed is so impressive. And, you know, there were times in the in the first half where they were rushing up and making big hits and winning the collision. But every time we picked and go, we just got we seemed to get half a yard, you know, half a yard of change out of it. And it just sucks players into the ruck. And ultimately, in the at, at the end of the game, England had made way too many tackles. And, you know, I think, to be honest, they were blowing. I'm not sure uh, Jones kind of trusted his bench necessarily. And, you know, I think that's, that's what makes it a really impressive tactical performance for me.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I agree with everything you said there. And, you know, the pick-and-go, second half in particular, you know, we, we, we really, you know, used that very, very wisely. You know, there was a time in the first half where we did a couple of pick and goes, and then we tried to go wide. Mm. We hadn't actually sucked anybody in and Courtney Laws and one or two others smashed uh, Rothburn. Yeah, Moriarty backwards. Um, but yeah, so we, we didn't show enough patience in the first half. Second half completely different. You know, pick, pick and go, pick and go. You know, and, you know, Corey Hill's tried, was it 34 phases? Yeah. You know, the patience they showed there, the physical commitment they're doing. We cleaned them out. You know, it was very, um, kept it all tight. You know, there was, there was no opportunity for England to turn the ball over. Um, you know, for me, the biggest fear going into the game was, were we going to be able to stop their heavy ball carriers? Yeah. You know, could, could we slow up the ball? You know, could, were they going to get that momentum? And I thought we did that very, very well. Um, and I thought that stopped their kicking game being as strong as it was mm. in the other two games. Yes, It happens that we had a fullback. <laughs> the French certainly didn't have. Or yeah. um, well, the Irish for that matter. Or the, the Irish, indeed. But, you know, that, that kicking game works if, if you get momentum, you get quick ball and it's clean. They, they weren't getting the same type of balls they got in the
0: first two games. Yeah, and we, we, we mentioned this on a few pods that the battle at the breakdown was going to be key. And I think it was, but not necessarily in the way that we've seen in the past. You know, a lot of the times, you know, I think, again, you think back to 2013 and Wales were so dominant over the ball and winning penalties from turnovers. Yeah. But this was more, we were able to slow the ball down and particularly late in that second half, we were able to to make sure that they they had no uh, no chance of of turning us over because Curry as as big a threat as he was and as well as he played, I think the the pick and go and just being able to secure our own ball, and that you know that is where really I think the game was won and lost.
1: Yeah, you know I, I was so glad to see you know how well we did when they when they run the ball back. You know there was a couple of times where I thought we kicked it too long and Vanapolo mm. was kind of revved up and coming straight back at us, but. You know, fair play, the boys, you know, the, the, the amount of tackles they made, bodies on the line. And, and as you say, you, you know, we weren't turning the ball over necessarily, but, you know, if you just kept a foot in there and just slowed it up and listened yeah. to the ref, because we hardly committed any penalties, did we? You know, we didn't three, concede Yeah, that. three versus
0: nine was the penalty. Yeah. And that first one was, was never a penalty anyway. Oh, no, God. That's but, <laughs> but, ridiculous. But, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure the, um, I'm not sure the first one they scored was either, the, the scrum penalty.
1: No, no, that was uh, that was a dubious one as well. Yeah. So, you know, to only commit you know, three penalties where two, you know,
0: you could argue worse, that, that, that's, that's amazing a test match. You yeah, know, absolutely amazing. Yeah, it is. And it, it made life difficult for England and I think the the thing with their kicking as well is that yes they've they've managed to you know, they've managed to get change out of Ireland and and France by by employing that kicking tactics, but at the same time, you know that really played into Wales's hand because it meant that you didn't have to worry about the power game of, of Vanapola and Tuolangi because they didn't see they didn't see enough ball.
1: Well, no, I, I think they, they mentioned um, at half-time, you know, Tuolangi, did he even have the ball in the first half? You know, the, the, he had a bit more ball second half, but mm. you, you weren't seeing you know, those, those heavy truckers t- taking the ball up, you know, like he like did in their first two games, and and like you say, you know, with a kicking game you didn't see them hitting the grass in behind the wingers like you did in the first two games. You know, I was a little bit concerned about George North going backwards before the game. But you know, it didn't really happen after. There was more aerial battles. And, and in all fairness to back three, they, did, they were outstanding in that area.
0: Yeah, and, and also, I think, particularly in the, first, in the second half, the the back three and you know i think like we said before north was was the one out of the three that you're most worried about and i think he did a, he did a really good job positioning wise yesterday but sanjay and and josh adams were absolutely incredible under the high ball uh, at times you know adams to to take that um as we spoke about for the try but then also straight away from the restart to make that kind of aussie rules style claim off the restart, you know, with both hands in the air, it just showed the kind of the, the confidence and how much that the players backed themselves and, and the hard work that they'd done to get the win.
1: Yeah, those are two outstanding catches and another one as well was Liam Williams where he put on an up and under but It was a bit of a skew if one, he was going out towards the touchline and, he, and he's gone up and taken it. He's in, carried on a couple of yards, rolled, laid the ball back and, you know, it makes such a difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's, let's move on to point two now. And despite, yeah. obviously despite, uh, despite winning the game, England remain favourites for the title with the bookmakers. So this one is going to be England are rightly still favourites for the title, fact or fiction?
1: Well, obviously we you know we're in the, we're in the um, pole position, I think personally, you mm. know, we got Scotland, yeah. you know, Scotland struggled a bit, uh, on Saturday against France. I, I think they France. really
0: struggled, to be honest. I thought that was, that was a pretty poor performance from Scotland, really. We're going to talk about that in a bit detail yeah, later, so, but, yeah, I think you're quite right.
1: Yeah, so, you know, so um, you'd like to think we can win in Scotland. You know, it's, obviously, it's going to be a tough one. And then, obviously, we've got Ireland, So, and that'll be tough. Well, you'd think that'd be tough, but, again, Ireland are uh, not showing everything at the moment, neither. So, yeah, I, I would say... England
0: have Italy and Scotland both at home both so home. you would see a bonus point win against Italy you'd imagine and Scotland's record away from home is, is pretty poor too so quite conceivably England could end up with with maximum points from here on in whereas Wales have yeah those, those two fixtures that you've um that you've mentioned there so, really, for Wales, it's slam or nothing, isn't it, I think?
1: It is, yeah. You know,
0: for them to say they're the favourites when we've got more wins on the board. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would
1: say we're the
0: favourites, if I'm honest. Fair enough. We'll chalk that one down as fiction. I think <laughs> because, that, Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, look, the whole thing is it's, it's about building momentum. And we have seen Wales do this before where... You know, we've either started slowly and and gradually started to to get our performances better. You know, and again, everyone was saying based on those first two performances that we had no chance of beating England, and we pulled out a fantastic performance to do that. And really, it's just about having been in this position under Warren Gatland twice, and another one where we ended up winning a title. It's just yeah. about picking off those games one at a time, and you know, re- that's, this is it. It's two performances away from away from picking up the slam. So. I agree. I, you know, you certainly wouldn't trade positions. I certainly wouldn't no. be sat there thinking, oh, well, I'd rather win the title because we've got a good chance of getting bonus points. For me, it's, it's all about the slam and it always is, you know, if you, if you win the title without a slam, yeah, okay, it's, it's fine, but it's, there, there is something amazing about putting together five wins against tough opposition because it's really, really hard to do. And Wales have got a fantastic opportunity to go and do it in there. Yeah, they certainly have. As you say, you know, it's great to win
1: the championship. Don't get me wrong, but it's the icing on the cake to go there, uh, win the championship, and win the Grand Slam. So,
0: this is it, right? Let's uh, let's move on to something else now. Alan Wynne Jones's captaincy is the major reason why Wales are now so hard to beat. Fact or fiction? So, i to give you a little bit of kind of background on on why I'm thinking this, and I think you particularly look at where Wales have struggled over over the past 10 years and it's been in, you know, against the Southern Hemisphere sides. And obviously that was something that we managed to banish this, uh, this autumn. Also before that, you've got the wins that uh, you know, you've got the wins against um Against Argentina. And I know obviously Alan yeah. Jones wasn't on those, wasn't on those tours. Um, however, there seems to me that there is a sense of belief in that squad at the moment. And part of me wonders whether it's having him as the, um, as the talisman, they're that, starting to they're starting to really make them think that they can beat anyone on their day.
1: Yeah, Alan Wynne um, will be recognised as one of the all-time greats in Welsh rugby. You know, he's been a fantastic servant, and and I, you know, there's more years to come from him. You know, mm. fingers crossed. He's a, he's a superb leader. He, he's a he's a great leader. You know, I, I was surprised he wasn't made full-time captain earlier in his Welsh career. Mm. Um, you know, I know we had Sam Walburton, you know, it was, it was a different, for me, he's a different type of leader to what Alan Jones he is, he? is. He's a yeah. lead by
0: example, yeah. get things right, ultimate professional type leader.
1: Yeah, Alan Winstrike is, is your more vocal leader, mm. um, you know, more of a mind Johnson type character, if you like. Mm. Um, so, I, I agree with you, you know, yesterday, you know, he, he was on Carl Sinclair's case mm. from minute one, you know, not in a, you know, like any way, you know, where any malicious or dangerous yeah. way, but just, just constantly in his ear, constantly in his ear, yeah. And, and there was a situation where Rob Evans was getting a little bit worked up, something that went on in a, in a scrum, and, and the the way he just said to Rob, "You know, go away, go away, show respect." You know, he moved away yeah. to the referee, and he and he spoke to the referee. You know. You can tell the players just love having him around. He's got a total respect, and I, and I think as a captain, he, he's pretty—he's pretty special as a captain. He's pretty special as a, as a rugby player.
0: Yeah, I agree on—I agree on both of those things. And as you know, you'd be hard pressed to find a bigger fan of Sam Wolverton than me. Yeah. And you know, I've—I've I've always really admired his captaincy. But there, there is just something I think that. um I don't, yeah, like, you know, it's easy to look at the captaincy and say it's it's a bit of a formality, you know what I mean? It's like a almost a ceremonial position, um, but I think there there is more there is more to it than that. And I don't know, you know, whenever he's in the dressing room, yeah, you're going to follow him into battle. But it just seems to me that there is something that he is he gets the players to to find that little bit extra. And you know, when he's on the pitch, you just feel like. The Welsh players can, can delve into these, these reserves of, of finding that, that bit more toughness. And, you know, I, think he's, he's absolutely pivotal to Wales. He is as important, if not more important than, than, you know, Paul O'Connell and O'Driscoll were to, to Ireland and to, and like you said, yeah, Martin Johnson and, and Dalalio and those kind of players were to England. I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's that level right now. And he's the one player for me that we just simply cannot have injured. No, he's gotta be one of the first names
1: on, on the team sheet, and, and he has been for many years. You know, I remember when he first burst on the scene for Wales, he, he, he looked, he looked a lead even then. He, he, he looked something special. Um, and you very rarely see him come off for of Wales. You know, mm-hmm. he, he pretty much was the same as the Ospreys, he's 80 minutes, isn't he? Or, 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 or whatever the length of that game is. And, you know, to have him on that pitch when things are getting tough and he's still on there, you know, he's
0: been there, he's done it it must be such a boost for the players. I agree. Yeah, the Sinclair one is is interesting because he's kind of come in for a lot of scrutiny both before, during and after the game. A lot of stuff's been made in, you know, in, in kind of has been said in in press conferences about Sinclair. And yeah, he was clearly getting fired up yesterday. But um I actually th- I actually think he was he was one of England's better players. And yes, okay, you know, those two occasions then he was right to probably right to pull him off at that. At that point, but I thought, you know, he's one of those, one of those players who was, who's was causing trouble for Wales, you know, particularly in the loose, um, and with those, and with those big hits. So I, yeah, I don't know, I was just keen to get your take on that while we're, while we're kind of talking about it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think he made 20 tackles inside 55 minutes or That's something, really something, something ridiculous and you know, for, for, well, for anybody, but a tight prop. I, I was glad he went
0: off. I yeah. will be
1: nice. And, and I, I, I I didn't know, obviously, what was being said of the referee. Was he saying the foul? He's got one last chance, or
0: yeah, he I... was.
1: He was, was he? Because I, I, I want to take him off. Mm. Yeah, okay. He gave away two quick penalties, but to me, he seemed still in control. I, I, I personally didn't think he looked like he completely lost it. Um, and Harry Williams came on. He did a decent job, but Sinclair was him and Tom Curry were their two best players.
0: Yeah, I thought, I thought Laws was impressive for them as well. And um, yeah, you know, yeah. he just does offer of those those big hits but yeah you know it's, it, again it's it's interesting and brings it back to that first point about you know about tactics and and when to use your bench and stuff and that was uh that was something that i think that he, he got wrong he he didn't seem like he backed uh he backed his bench much did he really but uh, eddie jones
1: no he didn't seem to uh, i know he yeah, had brad shields it was i don't think she came on his shields from from what i remember mm. um he might have didn't, I can't, I can't he quite might have remember. Come on in the
0: second but, row, didn't, didn't someone go off injured in the second row? I can't remember. Oh, okay.
1: I, I know Launchbury came on,
0: but I don't yeah. remember Shields. But, but, um,
1: but yeah, he, he, he seemed to have, you know, he, he didn't go to, uh, to his, what he calls finishers, um, as we went to our bench, certainly, yeah. um, in, in that second half. And, you know, going back to Sinka thing, you know, did, did the whole build up and, you know, Gatlin saying these things about, you know, you, you've got to be careful of him emotionally. Did all that? Did that get to Eddie Jones? Did he think, Rum well, actually, maybe he has lost it. We need to get him off." I, I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know because he, you know he he has been showing that fiery side in those first two fixtures as well. You know, he's. Yeah, he's, he's been involved in melee. There was the one with Peter O'Mani in the first game, and I can't remember who the Frenchman was who he had it's a the one. I
1: think it was a back row, wasn't it? It could have been, yeah. That's probably yeah.
0: well Scrimcap, cap, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> you know, and obviously, there's been kind of all of the, all of that before, but I I think it was probably more the fact that he was saying, yeah, he's uh, he's got he's got one chance, or he's going to the bin, and, oh, okay, and, well, and okay. I think at that point in the game. Uh, but you know, even the. Um, you know, I, I know a lot's been made about the, the Alan Wynne-Jones chokehold type thing, but really I think it was a legitimate tackle that slipped up. Yes, it was a penalty <laughs> and, and Alan has done a brilliant job of making sure the referee knows it. You know, again, that's just those clever things yeah. of making sure you win the penalty, but really, you know, what, I don't think it was a huge amount of malice in it. It looked like he, he had him by the shoulder, it slipped up and he, and then he had him around the neck and, um, and you know, it's a, it's a soft penalty to give away, but I don't think it was anything too much. It's, it's an interesting one, the whole simpler thing.
1: Yeah, as you say, I, I didn't think. Yeah, you know, he has going around the throat. But he hasn't like tried to choke him. He hasn't like tried to throw him on the floor and twist him or anything like that. So, yes,
0: it's a penalty, but it was certainly nothing more than that. All right, let's stick with the bench. Fact, uh, fact or fiction? Point number four: Dan bigger's best role is in the number twenty-two shirt. Fact fiction?
1: <sighs> Oof. <sighs>
0: oh, that's a difficult one.
1: I I still think if if we're going to play the game that we seem to be playing, where we do kick a a lot off Mm. first phase, I would would say he's our starting ten. You know, I I think I think his ball skills and his and his periphery vision is underrated. You know, he he can play that type of game, Um, and I think I think we kick the ball more out of hand than what England did yesterday. um, Going by statistic I saw, so. I like him as a finisher, but you know, to me, if we're going to play that tactic, then I, I would probably start with Dan Bigger.
0: Interesting. Um, I'm going disagree with that one. I think <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> really, it's really unfortunate for, for Bigger, but that is his best, that is his best role. And for me, these big test matches are won in the last 20 minutes and simply he has to be on the field during that time and having him come on knowing he's got 20 minutes to close out a game exactly like he did yesterday as he did against Australia as he did against South Africa I I think he is winning these games by coming off the bench he really is he is just making that much of an impact and it's it's really interesting because you know you expect an impact sub to be you know a big ball carrying back row who comes on and runs at players when they're tired or you expect it to be a really you know a creative outside half or an outside back who's got blistering pace running at, at tired legs and I don't think it always has to be that way when games get tense and you know again we, while we're playing fantastically well at the moment we're not scoring an abundance of tries we're scoring tries by putting the opposition under pressure and I think that the pressure is never as high as it is in that last 20 minutes of a game and he showed for me that he thrives on that pressure and when it is at his absolute peak, yeah, you know, he, he just, he, he's, there's no one else I'd want on the pitch to get, you know, like we were saying with Alan Wynne Jones, he is, he's of that mindset that he really plays at his absolute best when the, when the pressure is turned up, is turned up to 11. And as others are starting to, to crumble around him, he just pulls out his best performances. So, I don't know, I, I, he's winning these games for me. You know, I think yesterday, okay, you know, I fully agree that Liam Williams was man of the match and there were some huge performances, but you know, he, he came close to, to being my man of the match with, uh, with the impact that he had off the bench.
1: As you say, you know, at East Africa and other games, you know, in, in tight games, mm. you know, he, he, can, he can close them out for you. And I guess it depends on what you want from your bench. As you say, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams go with a, Fast, free flowing 10, you know, to come off and, and, and you know, in tied legs. Well, we do the flip side of that. Mm. We're looking for a more control Ted I guess the question would be, you know, if we're in the game and we're losing, you know, we'd say we're 15, 20 points down, yeah. is is damn bigger than your answer to come off the bench? Well, that's yeah, an interesting and, one, and, and, but
0: rewind to, rewind to the French game. And yeah, okay, we had scored the, you know, 16 points down at half time. Then uh, we had the Thomas Williams try. And then he went to the bench and bought him on bought him on early that time, didn't he? He had a half an hour yeah. in that game. And I think that's it. Is if things aren't going to plan and you're and you're struggling, you need someone who's going to come on and add more structure. And that's why you bring him on early, because you're not going to come on and sling the ball around barbarian style with half an hour to go, even if you're yeah. even if you're twelve points adrift. You know, that's where the the loose intercepts get thrown. You need someone who can peg you back into the game by doing something different. And You know, as much as we've spoken about Wales playing a better, you know, a better, more attacking brand of rugby, I still don't think that we're destructive with ball in hand. I still think we're a pragmatic side. And one of the biggest, most underrated threats that Wales have in their attacking armoury is when Dan Bigger puts boot to ball, he throws up a massive Gary Owen, he chases it. 20 yards down the field and wins it as he, you know, as he does so often. And I think they're the kind of things that, yes, okay, he's not going to, he's not going to skin four players like, like Jared Evans or Reese Patchell might, or Gareth Anscombe might, but what he, you know, what he can do is he can get the, you know, he can win you the ball 20, 25 yards down the field. And, and I don't know, for me, I I think he he has a role for that. If you're, if you're losing and it's not going according to game plan, you need to bring him on to add the structure and to add that that defence and the strong kicking game he's got. But if he comes on and the game's tight, I think he's you know he, he is able to read what's in front of him, like you say, and and win these games.
1: Yeah, I, I think we both agree that you know big, bigger has an important and essential role to play. You know, in, in that twenty-three, um, I, I guess you know as we're discussing here, for me, if you're going to play that safe. <laughs> That's cool, it's safe, but you know, if you're going to kick a lot, then I would say, well, why wouldn't you go with bigger start with? But, mm. you know, I, I, I'm getting you, I know, I understand what you're saying, you know, at Twickenham last year, we moved Anscombe from 15 into 10, and suddenly yeah. we're, we're throwing the ball around, we're playing because, you know, we, we need to get, you know, points on that board. Um, you know, harping back to a few years back, I, I remember Ireland used to play Johnny Sexton at 10. And then Ronald Garrow, when he's getting near the end of his international career, he would come off the bench, you yeah. know, and play the Ronaldo Garrow role, he was sitting in the pocket, putting the balls in the corner, turning the teams around. So, I, I guess, it's, you know, as I said the story, it all harps back to what you want from your bench, you know, what, what are you looking to achieve from, uh, you know, that, that, those, those
0: guys sat on the bench to come on, you know, at any point in the game. Interesting. I think we have to agree to disagree on that one. Um, and it's, I feel, I feel for him because you know, he's, he, you know, he wants to play 60, 80 minutes. And uh, yeah, you I, I just do. think we've, we've stumbled across this, this really strong, uh, you know, this really strong way of, of finishing games by, by having him to come on and, and close it out. Yeah.
1: And it's like you said, I think, you know, in last week's uh, podcast, you know, the danger of the player gets tagged into a certain title. Now, say, like, Corey Hill mm. suddenly seemed to become our super sub, didn't he? Yeah. But he started, you know, yesterday That's and, a great was, point. and was superb. And was superb. So, I, you know, I think we can agree that, you know, he's got an important part to play, you know, in the build-up to the World Cup.
0: I'm sure in the World Cup as well. Absolutely agree. Right, still to come, we'll be reviewing the other nations. We'll be taking a quick look at regional rugby as well. And we will also be getting Craig's thoughts on what he would do if he was uh, picking the side for the game against Scotland. So all of that is coming up in the second half of the show after this very short break. Loads still to come on the Attacking Scrum podcast, but first it's the final fact or fiction. Right, Craig? Never mind Wales versus England, the biggest news for Welsh rugby this week will be the outcome of Project Reset. Fact or fiction?
1: You know, we, we need to sort out what is going to be happening with, uh, with Welsh club rugby moving forward. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's so important. And we've heard so many different rumours. And, and by all accounts, we, we will finally find out next week what is going to happen. So, yeah,
0: I'd say that's fact. I think it has to be, doesn't it? And, you know, it's... Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to bring us down too much. And, uh, you know, we're going to be talking more about Wales <laughs> later on in the show, but it's interesting that, you know, this timing, um, and you've got, you know, the Ospreys, it was a really bizarre scenario with them playing on, on Friday and Sean Holly saying before the game, there might not be a team next year and then coming out and, uh, you know, you've got Alan Clark after the game talking about it and saying, oh, there is, there is going to be a team. That uncertainty is is no good for anyone. Uh, you know, I, I, I sympathise with the WRE to a certain extent because it is we've never found we've never fi- found the right balance, and it's you know it's kind of regional rugby was something that was was kind of thrust upon was thrust upon um, the club scene fifteen sixteen years ago. We can't you know, we can't dwell on that too much. We're in a situation now where we have to find some answers. As to how we're going to make these sides competitive, so that they're competitive and financially viable, so that they're able to, to carry on and produce these players, not just for Wales, but for you know for for the the regions and the and the parts of Wales that they represent.
1: Yeah, I t- totally agree. As you say, the the, the Alan Clark um, interview before and after was was totally bizarre. Yeah, you know, but, you know, before the game, he's it's almost it's all over. Then he comes out and, he, and he's all positive at the end, saying you know. Yes, we're going to survive. But, you know, it's going to be pretty much the same as this year. In, you know, in, in this case of what 80 plus minutes, it was all changed. So, it, it, the uncertainty for for the, the owners and for the players, it, it must be, you know, it it, it it must be an awful situation. So, as you say, I, I just hope they get it sorted out and we find out next week what exactly is going to happen.
0: I think the yeah, uh, it's um, obviously we're, we're speculating on a, on quite a few things here. But how real do you think that that Carnif Blues and Ospreys merger was, and and do you think it it could well have happened?
1: Well, from what I understand, there were certainly discussions about it. Mm. You know, there was there were certain promises that WIU were looking for, um, and you know, it it was certainly on the table. Um, But um, it would appear that on Friday there was a meeting with with the regions again, and and that now seems to sort of to have gone away. So. I, th- I think it was certainly something they were seriously looking at. Yeah, I-, I don't think it was just, you know, them just talking out loud. It, it seemed yeah. it was something they were actually looking to go looking into.
0: Which yeah, which is really hard to kind of, you know, it's really hard to fathom. But then, you know, again, going back sixteen years, it would, it was, it was hard to imagine that that those clubs would merge in the first place, you know, and we'd end up with what was five and then four, and then four regions. So it's something that we've, you know, we'd never really found the answer to in terms of making it work at a club level. I think, you know, we're all in agreement on that. A few, you know, a few good seasons from the Ospreys and, uh, you know, some, some good European performances from the, from the, uh, from the Blues and, uh, and the Scarlets aside, we have struggled to make those sides competitive and financially viable. And, You've just got to hope that the, the outcome this time around is is going to do that. Yeah, you hope so.
1: You know, I, I think there's, a, there's an awful lot of other things that need to be looked at, which, you know, I, I probably need to be another episode, you know. Yeah. Pro 14 kickoff times, you know, there, there's so many other things that go into it. But, um, yeah, you, you hope that whatever comes
0: out next week is going to be a positive step forward and, uh, you, you know, we're going to see improvements within the regions. Yeah. Well, we're going to be following this very, very closely. So expect more on this uh, over the next, yeah, few days and, and weeks as and when that news breaks. So make sure, uh, yeah, make sure you stay tuned to us, not only on here, but also on Facebook and on Twitter at attacking scrum. And we'll bring you all of that news as and when it happens. And of course, get in touch with us with your opinions on there. We'd love to hear what you think about these big issues. Right. Second part of the show then, Craig. Let's talk about some of the some of the other sides. We touched on Scotland earlier on. How much was their performance down to injuries, and how much was it down to them just not firing? Obviously, you know
1: injuries played a factor. You know, if you're losing players, especially with the Scotland uh, setup of Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg's caliber, it's going to it's going to have a massive impact. You know, they they, they made some breaks, they, they created chances, but you know it was, it was just that final pass or that final decision that. Was just letting them down. Um, so yeah, I, I think Injury's played a factor, but I don't know. I, to me, it's still they're still missing one or two things in, in that in that forwards. I I don't think that Josh Strokes is doing a job, but mm. I, I just I just don't see the ball carrying there. I will be honest. Um,
0: yeah, I find that quite strange. From because they got two big lumps in the second row, um, in in Gray and Gilchrist. Yeah. I just think, like you know, a, a geezer of Gilchrist's size as well, you know, you want to see him kind of making that, that those those big hits. I don't, maybe I wasn't watching the game closely enough, and I'm being overly critical, but I agree. It feels like there's there's room for for more impact from ball carriers. Yeah, I thought I thought, I you, I thought Gilchrist did carry well.
1: You know, mm. I thought he had I thought he had a decent game. Johnny Gray, he makes his tackles, doesn't he? You know, but I don't know. I I, I, I watched Johnny Gray. I always think there's a little bit more. Mm. I, I always think you know there can be a bit more with, it, it, with ball in hand and, and getting through and you know I know Richie his, his brother obviously he's playing for Toulouse again yeah. so you know maybe they might look to bring him you know, in like or Ben Tulis came off the bench but again I, I'm, I'm you know I'm maybe a bit unfair you know I, I don't obviously watch Ben Tulis week in week out but I don't know is he at you know that international standard at the top level I, I'm not 100 percent sure and. Mm. You know, Gary Graham, I thought did a good job when he came off the bench. I did. You know, yeah, he, I thought he played really well. Um, so you know, maybe there's, there's a place there possibly for him. You know, Richie's playing seven. I don't think he's a seven. I think he's a six. Mm. Um, Bradbury, I, I don't know. He, he, he seemed to come in from nowhere. He had a good game for Edinburgh, so he's in the
0: he's in the fifteen. So yeah, I, I mean, I know he's been on the radar for a while, doesn't he? And he you know, he's been he's been yeah. captaining. He, he was captaining Edinburgh in the past and. He's very much been around the it, but I agree, like he did kind of seem to be be parachuted into, into yeah. that side. And it, obviously there's injuries and you know Barkley hasn't played any rugby this season and he is a massive blow for them because he is an absolute out and out class international back row forward. Yeah. And again, it, it does just seem that there's it's that strength and depth in key positions. And what you know, while they missed Russell, I think they've got two very good prospects in Horn and, and Hastings but it does seem like yeah in, in those key positions like, like back row and and front row they are missing the the backup when when those players do get injured
1: yeah peter hall you know he's a, he's a very good operator but you know i think he's about 12 mm. um, you know nick gregg in the center you know he'll tackle all day but I, you know he doesn't give you an awful lot from what i've seen anyway in, in ball carrying um so, yeah, I, I just think they were, they, were, they were missing one or two things. But, you know, injury is a factor because, you know, Finn Russell, when he's on, he, he's a superb player. And Stuart Hogg, you know, they, he, they do give you that X factor. Yeah. So uh it's, it's so strange you a bit They
0: They seem to me like they're more likely to score from 70 yards out than seven. You know, they make these fantastic breaks. Yeah. And if they don't finish them, they don't seem to then be able to, to get past the scramble defence. And that, that's, a, that's a, a, a flaw for them at the moment.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and, and another play I, th- I think they're missing a lot is Hamish Watson. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's an absolute nuisance of a breakdown and, and I don't
0: necessarily think they got that type of play at the moment. So. Interesting. Right. What can we expect from them in a fortnight's time in Edinburgh, though? What can we expect mm. what, from, 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 from a perspective? From Scotland, perspective? Uh, from Scotland. From, yeah. What, from Scotland. How will they go about the game and yeah, what what do we need to be wary of?
1: Yeah, obviously, you know, they would like... Well, I don't know the situation for Finn Russell, but hopefully he'll be, from a, from a Scotland perspective anyway, he's fit, he's back playing. Stuart Hogg as well, hopefully he'll be back in that 15, um, especially if you're a Scottish fan. Um, you know, they, they're going to try and cause as much of a nuisance factor as they can. You know, they're going to be trying to slow the ball down. They're going to be, you know, hitting rocks with their usual ferocity, you know, and just trying to make it... You know, a, a game where it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of an arm wrestle um, and then just hope that Finn Ristel can find those, those bits of magic, get the mm. ball out wide and, and get people like King Hall and, um, and Stuart Hogg, you know, running with space into our in, into our back line, really.
0: Interesting. Right. France, on the other hand, obviously, they were they were very keen to get that win. How do you assess their performance?
1: It was improved. You know, I, I, I think, you know, they've been harping on their French about bringing youth through and, Mm. you know, Dupont was excellent again. Um, Ramos looks, looks a danger, you know, from, uh, from fullback.
0: Yeah.
1: Entermat looks a good player. Um, whether he's a 10 or 12, I guess we'll find out over time, but he did play well. Um, now Damien Pernod as well was, again, I, I think he's been one of, one of their standout players. I thought he played very well again. Um, yeah, it was improvement, but as I say, I, I think Scotland made a lot of errors. You know, They were getting good position. They just weren't showing the right patience, so they were just dropping the ball, getting the ball ripped. And um, So I, I think they, they certainly helped um, the French performance. Um, gave them that turnover ball they're in France or away, aren't they? You know, that, that's,
0: that's what they love. So Interesting there. You, obviously, you mentioned DuPont and Intermac. Do you think they've stumbled across their best half-back combination?
1: Possibly. I, 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 again, like I mentioned, I'm not sure if Intermark is a better 10 or a 12. Um, and obviously, the, if you're going to play Intermark as your 10 and, and stick with that same backline, they didn't have a kicker. Mm. You know, Ramos just did not look like a place kicker. No, he didn't, did he? It, it looked like he'd kind of been forced into that position. So, so that, you know, they're going to need to get a, a place kicker on there somehow. Um but uh, you know, they're two young players who look very, very good. You know? So um, you know, that can only be a plus you
0: know, from I, a French yeah. perspective. I think Dupont I'm 100% sold on, and he looks comfortable at international level. And to Mac, again, I think he's, got, he's got all the ability, but I'm with you. I'm not sure he's a 10. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that that 10 spot is still, is still up for grabs. The, the problem is, is that France, as we've seen so many times, particularly in half-backs, are just prone to changing and changing and changing yeah. and it's happened way too often and the the ones who they've plumped on most recently um you know has been the the combination of Para and uh what's it Lopez right? Lopez. And yeah. fine players though they are, I think if you're trying to play rugby with a, the that really they that they want to be playing on the break and stuff I'm not entirely sure that that they're the best players that they've got in the squad to do it. I think Dupont just adds that zip and that speed of service and that threat around the fringe that you know that maybe Para doesn't have at this stage in his career. So yeah, I still think that that ten position is is up for grabs and is a you know is a really key one for them. Yeah, as you say,
1: you know, Javier Lopez, you know, he's decent and he's got a bit more size as well, hasn't he? He's mm. a bit more physical, you know, like um, Intermax and. Um, um, Paris are quite small in stature yeah, yeah. and, the, and the other Toulouse boy, um, Anthony Bayou. Yeah. He's, he's a tiny little player, but again, he, he hasn't got much size, and he's only young as well, so, you know, I, I see I see a Tran Duke assigned for uh in 92, so, <laughs> it looks like, you know, they're still looking to, towards him, um, you know, playing for one of the top sides, and, you know, and Tran Duke's days, his best days are long gone, so, um, so yeah, there's, there's
0: a few challenges there, certainly in the, in the half-back positions. The other game of the weekend, uh, today, Ireland kind of laboured past Italy. I'm going to start with the Italians. Um, aside still not taking Italy seriously, do you think?
1: I think it's a danger. You know, they look at that game, you know, we, we made many changes, didn't we? You know, mm. when we went out there, and, um, and yeah, maybe, maybe, they did. Maybe they just thought it was a bit of a foregone conclusion, but, um, that, that's, that's playing to their hands, you know. Yeah. That's absolutely what they want. Um, you know, they, they are they are a decent side. Yes, you'd like to think. You know, if if you're a Wales you're an Ireland or England, you know, you can do a number on them. But um, you've got to be careful because they, they have
0: got some really good individual players. They squandered a lot of points off the kicking tee today as well. It just feels like if they're able to to get a goal kick, you know, like they had in the in the days of of Dominguez, and it's it's kind of been that they've they've struggled to find a not yeah, not just a kicker, but you know they've they've struggled really to have anyone nail down that ten shirt. That for me is just an area that, if you're a side like Italy that has limitations, you have to have a goal kicker who's going to be able to slot and and put and put pressure on the opposition and keep that scoreboard ball ticking over.
1: Yeah, you know, it's Tommaso Allen. In a few games, he, he's looked quite composed, and I think I thought to myself a few times, "All right, they found the guy," but. Um... Yeah, he, 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 it's certainly an inconsistency with him. Um as you say, you know, they've tried a number of different players, haven't they, in ten position, you know. Like uh, you know, Kanner is the other one who plays for yeah. Zebra, I believe. And I've seen him play a couple of things, and he's Cardiff Blues and, and he, he's a talent. He's he a talent. He? he is a talent, yeah. But again, his kicking game isn't the strongest. Um you know, probably the best goal kicker from from my memory since Dominguez was Luke McLean.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and he used to play a wing or fullback didn't they so yeah you know the, for me they're still searching out for that 10 McKinney's a good player but again he's, he's a he's a he's more of a ball player than, than, than the, I wouldn't say his, his kicking game is his strongest aspect mm. so yeah I, I think they're still searching there
0: yeah I feel like Alan is the one who's put together the most amount of performances I agree he's not necessarily the, the finished article but again I think he's when he when he's playing at his best, you're right. He does offer that composure, and inside him, again, they, they've they've struggled really to have a a consistent nine since the days of Troncon. But Tabali went very well today, and you know he he kind of showed he kind of showed what what he's capable of. Obviously, a player we've seen a, a fair bit of from his his time at the Ospreys and stuff. But yeah, again, it, it's very similar to France. You know, having that that core set of halfbacks just makes such a difference at, at that level of rugby. Yeah, it
1: certainly does. You know, especially Italians. You know, the, the ball that could be pretty ugly, can't it? And you're going backwards, and you know, you want a nine and ten. He's it, it, got that composure and, mm-hmm. and knows what to do with it. And, you know, Topaldi did play well today. I don't think he played that well for the Ospreys. So, uh, yeah, probably, probably a few Ospreys fans looking and thinking, well, "Where's that come from?" So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, you know, he did. He did play well today, but. Yeah, half-backs is certainly something they can, uh, they can look at. and I don't think those positions are certainly nailed down at the moment.
0: So in positions uh, and changes to line-ups, Ireland made quite a few, um, and as we said, they made hard work of it. How much do you think that that performance today is down to the, down to the changes, or are they just out of form?
1: Obviously, when we made the changes, you know, we, we struggled to get, you know, any any real consistency in the game and, and get any flow into it. So I'm sure it played a part. I do think Ireland uh, are not quite active at the moment, you know, from from where they were back in the autumn. You know, I think the loss to England really gave a serious knock to their confidence. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think they're searching for the best combinations in certain aspects Just and just lacking a bit of confidence.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose the, the thing that's different, that's different with the, the changes that Ireland made versus the changes that Wales made, obviously Wales virtually changed the whole side. But, you know, there was still some of those core combinations in there. You know, they played Murray and Sexton together at, at nine and ten. And again, just didn't quite have that, that impact that it has had in, in previous games. Do you think sides have started to figure them out? Not just the halfbacks, but Ireland as a whole.
1: I think there needs to be a bit of a sharpness in the game. You know, I, I, I don't think Sexton's fit. Really, I, I just don't think. To me, this does not look fit. He doesn't look like he's moving. You know, as freely as he did before. Um, and again, you know, it sounds like I'm harping on the same things. Really, Island are all about you know quick ball. You know, dummy runners getting over that game line and going again. And I just don't, to me, they are not just not getting the impetus. Mm. They're not, they're not getting that sharpness. They're not making, breaking those lines as they did before. You, you know, yes, there are some line breaks, but it's, it's not being done on a consistent um, basis. Mm. So I think it's a big, you know, it's a big week or so for them, you know, building up to their next game and, you know, and get everyone into camp. And, you know, they're, they're a good side. We know that. You know, I, I just think at the moment, they're just lacking a bit of sharpness, a bit of confidence.
0: Right, Craig, keen to get your thoughts on who should play against Scotland, and we'll chat about that later. This is part three of the show, any other business, the last part of the show. Let's quickly chat about the regions. Um, so, obviously a Cardiff fan yourself. Uh, an unexpected win over Edinburgh. You certainly said unexpected at, uh, at half-time. Is the European qualification back on? It is back on. You know, we've got a massive game against Connacht away um,
1: coming up. Um, you know, how many times are we gonna give teams head stats? Yeah. <laughs> you know, again we managed to claw it back, we managed to get the win and you know, as you say, half time, I, th- I thought that was done industry. I thought that was that was it. I thought the best chance he was maybe to get a bonus point. But um, you know, fair play to them, they've come back, they've got the win. Um it, it is it is back on. Um, you know, we've got the Scarlets with the Ospreys, you know, there's, there's some there's some big games coming up against, you know, some good sides, but um you certainly look at that Conor to and, and that could be a huge deal
0: yeah absolutely and uh, yeah talking to head starts uh, Dragons shipped 50 points to a second string Benetton's side this weekend that's, that's, that's a hell of a head start isn't it yeah it really is <laughs> um, oh, I mean, what can they hope to achieve for the rest of the season do you think
1: I don't want to be doing more gloom but um, you, you know it's, it's been a huge struggle hasn't it mm. Um you know, again, I looked at the side on paper and, and I thought I looked at look, looked a reasonable lineup. No, it didn't look bad at all. You know, I, I guess I know Benetton are going very well, but um, 57 points, you know, that, that's a hammering, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I like Kerry Jones, you know, he, he seems to want to have the, the job permanently, so that'll mm. be interesting to see what happens, but you know, the, the, they've got to try and recruit in the summer and they've got to try and keep some of those players, um, so as you say, the project reset is going to be massive to find out exactly, you know, where the regions are, what kind of finances they've got.
0: Exactly, especially this time of year when you've got you know, when you've got re- recruitment becomes absolute top priority. That's that's why things have, have got to be sorted quickly for next season as much as yeah, as much as for the long term. Um obviously we've spoken briefly about the Ospreys already. It's a loss in difficult circumstances. What have you made of them this season? The Ospreys, mm.
1: um, yeah, again, quite inconsistent. You know, um, as a Cardiff Blues fan, and, and obviously knowing uh my good friend Matthew Reese within camp. You know, Matt mm. share was highly rated. Yeah, you know, hugely talented um, coach. You know, the players used to love play. You know, playing for him and you know, being trained by him. And you know, he's gone there, and I would expect a lot more from that backline, and it, and it just Absolutely. hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. I know, again, like a lot of the regions, there's been a number of injuries and, um, you know, they haven't been able to at the same side, you know, week in, week out. But I have been a bit disappointed by the Ospreys, I will be honest.
0: And then just to, just to finish, Scarlets kept their playoff hopes alive with a bonus Point win over the Kings. Uh, do you expect them to finish the season strongly?
1: Yeah, you know, the signs are, I think, you know, they're starting to get a few players back, haven't they? Um, obviously, Patchel back, half-penny back, mm. I think Blake Thompson is is on his way back. Um, so, there's a few players coming back and, and again, they're, they're talented town this side you know, you, you, they, they, they haven't become a bad team overnight, so I, I would expect the Scars to, to push on as, you know,
0: to, as the season starts to end. Alright, let's, uh, yeah, let's finish by having a, a little look at the the Scotland game coming up, which is a fortnight away, which just feels like the ultimate tease. Now, I don't, I don't think I can do <laughs> another fourteen days waiting for waiting for Wales to play. But what would you be thinking in terms of in terms of team selection here, Craig? Are you, are you inclined to kind of stick with the side that's gone out there and done the job, or you know, there might well be an enforced change that Corey Hill injury didn't look particularly good at the time we kind of await news on that but obviously halfpenny fit as well as a, a few things for Gatlin to mull over there's a
1: few things to think about you know halfpenny being fit You know, he played today and by all he went quite well um, I don't expect there to be too many changes unless as you say there's, there's, there's an injury or two there Corey Hill it didn't look particularly great which is a real shame for him because I thought he was excellent especially in the second half mm. Um so, yeah, I, I don't foresee there being many changes unless they're enforced. Um, so, yeah, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to, um, as you say, two weeks to wait, so which will be a long two weeks. But um, I'm sure you'll start talking about different things as the weeks go on. But I, I don't see there being too many changes. Would you be inclined to make any? Well, going back to our fact of the picture, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably go with Dan bigger ten. Yeah. Uh, and, and as a Cardiff Blues fan, I'm sure I'd probably have to stick for that. <laughs> uh, but... Um, you know, for me, if we're going to be playing this game where we're going to be kicking from hands a lot, you know, I, I would tend to go with bigger. Barring that, yeah, it'd be lovely to have Lee half-penny back, but, you know, I, I can't say you can do anything with that back three. I thought they were outstanding. Um, so I probably wouldn't make any changes there. And if Corey Hill doesn't make it, then obviously he has a decision to make there. Does he go with Adam Beard or with Jake Ball playing again for the Scarlets and having another two weeks, with, would he go with Jake Ball? So... Um barring that I thought Nicky Smith went very well by the way mm. um, when he came off the bench I thought he was outstanding his carries but um again you know, Rob Evans was solid he did a good job in the scrum so
0: I don't I, I don't see there being any changes there to go to that second row point though yeah you're quite right you know if we're working on the basis that and obviously we don't know the extent of, of Corey Hill's injury at the moment but if he were to be out which one of those players would you be looking to pick for the Scotland game beard or ball
1: I would probably go with Jake Ball, mm. um, you know I, I think Ball gives you that ball carry and he gives you, you know, that strength he 's good at cleaning out at rucks you know Adam b is a big physical specimen, but to me he hasn 't quite looked right um, the six nations um, and to me, ball would have a bit more of an impact um, so I, I would probably go with uh, with Jake Ball as my, as my style if Corey Hill you know
0: unfortunately can 't make it. Yeah, I, I the to go back to the half penny one as well, that's really interesting because how many times have we spoken on this podcast about you know half penny or, or Liam Williams at fifteen? And it really felt like we'd settled on the fact that uh the half penny is the best option at fifteen, just because of the not just obviously not just the goal kicking, but how good he is under the high ball, his defensive positioning, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And now Liam Williams goes and puts in a performance like that. It would be very cruel to shunt him out to the wing. Let alone, it would be you know be pretty cruel on George North to drop him down into to on the bench. What would you be doing if 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 Halfpenny was was fully fit? You know, which which it, presumably is because yeah. he played again today.
1: Yeah, you know, is a massive fan of Halfpenny, isn't he? Um, so I I can't see how we can break out that three for the next game, mm. but. I think, you know, if there's any stuttering in performances, um, I, I think half-penny will, will come back in. Um, and then he has then that decision, is it, because Liam Williams, I, I think, has to start, you know, whether he starts at 15 on his back, 14 or 11, he has to yeah, start.
0: He has
1: to. So, so, so then he has that decision to go with with North or with Josh Adams. Um, and that's a huge decision, you know. Again, you know, Gatlin does have his favourites and you know, George North has been then done it for him. But, you know, Josh Adams, he's like a breath of fresh air, you know. defensively he's very good. He, you know, he, his defence has improved and, you know, the ball in hand, you know, he, he, he looks, always looks dangerous. So um, that, that would be a huge
0: call to make. Um, I, I but for I me, if, if I, if I was... Like I, I really don't. No, he's I, playing so well.
1: No, I agree. I, I can't say you can. I, you know, I think they'd be uproar. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I was picking a side... I would have to stick with seeing three. Yeah. You know, and unless an injury comes up or there's a, there's a massive drop off f- from a team or from an individual, he, he just has to waste
0: time. Yeah.
1: Especially with bigger as well, you know, mm. if, if he's going to be a finisher or if he's going to come off the bench, you know, for the last 20 minutes, then, you know, he, he, he's an outstanding test goal kicker. So, so you don't need half penny there for that necessarily.
0: Well, I see, this, this is the bit that, that really interests me with the halfpenny debate is you know Anscombe is a is a good goal kicker and i do, he's just not in the same calibre as as halfpenny and bigger and I don't think any arguably I, you know, I'm struggling to think off the top of my head here, but there's not many who are in that same caliber. You know, they are both absolute world class yeah. goal kickers. And then I just think that, you know, if 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 you're able to have half penny in that side, again a game like yesterday where you had Anskom going to the corner um, for a penalty about 45 yards out, um, you know, fairly straight penalty. I think if half Penny's on the field or if Bigger's on the field, you take that and you get the three points. And it just it just keeps the scoreboard ticking over there. But it allows you to have Anscombe as the more offensive option at 10 at the same time. So I would be, I'm not saying I'd necessarily do it for the Scotland game but I would be, I'd be looking to introduce him into the back three and it's a really tough call. But for me, it might, it might be George North that, that misses out. And again, it then gives you an option of bringing someone with real impact off the bench. Let's be honest. He'd be pissed off about it. Um, and, yeah, and, and, you know, when he, when he does come when he does come off the bench, he's then, you know, out there hungry, looking for work, getting ball in hand. And we know what deadly, what a deadly finisher he is. So, I don't know, I, I, these are all just fantastic options to have and they re- the good kind of selection dilemmas. Yeah, it's a great point on, on the, um,
1: on the kicking, you know, Anscombe, you know, he, he, he certainly hasn't got distance of a half penny, um, or a bigger or, or, or you know, to throw another one in there, Reese Patcher as well. Um, so, you know, teams can wise up to that, can't they? You know, they're 45, 45 meters out. Commi- You know, to see the penalty Mm. because more than likely, if Anscombe's your kick and Anscombe's on the pitch, they're not. You know, they may not take on the kick. So, yeah, it it gives it a different uh, dynamic, doesn't it? So, um, you know, but you know, if if to drop George North would be a huge call, and you know, we know George North when he's got a point to prove. That's when he's most dangerous. So, uh, you know, he he, he could if he's going to go down that route, then George North
0: off the bench. You know. He would certainly be fired up and would be very interesting to see that. It'd be interesting to see him come on the pitch. I'm not sure I'd want to be around him in training at that point as well. (laughs) You know, he would just, you know, he's, he's got a huge amount of self-belief and, you know, and that shows in the way he plays. But yeah, they're just, they're just fascinating options. You know, like when in the autumn Sanjay came off the bench, was that the Australia game maybe? And you just, you know, you look at it and think, that's, that's amazing that we've got. A player of that quality to to be able to bring on and and it is that kind of strength in depth that we have not had uh, you know, arguably in the in the professional era no
1: you, know, you look at ask one and as they said in the summer they were looking to build that strength in depth, and you certainly they're you know pretty much right across the board you know you, you could argue two or three players in each position you, know, you could put up a reasonable argument to say well you know I, I think that player is, is better than, than that player, so um, you know, it 's it's a great position to be in um, but yeah going back to the half penny question you know half penny comes in for the scotland game that's a huge call and if it, you know let's hope this doesn't happen But if it goes wrong then uh, mm. there'll be some serious questions to be answered
0: yeah i again i'm like you i'm i'm kind of staring the part a little bit but i no, um, no, 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 i I, sure. I don't think I, I don't think he will i think if if everyone's fit then maybe half penny might might sneak onto the bench um but i don't think you know again i don't think they'll be in a rush to to bring him back um, it's been a long time out it's, it's great to see him back on the pitch because I think a lot of us feared the worst uh, the, the amount of time with the layoff and having to go and see a specialist about it and the nature of that of that massive blow that he took so it's yeah. it's good to see him back and it's a good position to be in but yeah I, I think he'll um, he'll stick with he'll stick with that back three for the Scotland game
1: yeah, as you say, the way we're going, you know, we've got our luxury and we? we don't need to rush him back. So, um, yeah, you know, I I, I would um, potentially put him onto the bench, but then that then puts in questions, other positions, doesn't it? Because, like, Watkins has been covering the centre. So, mm. um, so yeah, possibly on the bench, but, yeah, you know, let, let's hold him back and, you know, and uh, uh, let's see. You know, we we may not need him the whole
0: Six Nations, but um, he's certainly useful to have around because, you know, we know how good he is. Centre's an interesting one actually you just touched on there. Uh I thought it was a strange game for Hadley Parks yesterday because he did so much right. And I think at times, you know, you just sort of make that that ex you know, that crucial half a yard by using some good footwork or by riding a tackle and and you know, he did a lot of things very, very well and offer you a ball carrying option. But then there was there was two occasions where his lack of pace really kind of worried me and you know Tuilangi really got around the outside of him a bit too easily for my liking and there was a kick ahead I can't remember if it was daily or may but he looked like he was kind of treading water at that point and I don't know I, I wonder whether he's it's, it's being ultra critical because he did put in a really important performance but you just wonder whether sides might sense that as a bit of a as a bit of a weakness
1: yeah, possibly, you know, as you say, it was a
0: bit of a strange one because,
1: again, if you look at the stats after, he was the second highest tackler for Wales. I yeah. he made the most meters, but, um, you know, two Lanky one, obviously, you know, that was caught slow motion and, you know, he's, he's got done there, I mean, on the outside. And, and as you say, the other when Johnny May, I think it was, yeah. you know, I, I thought, I thought he had deep sea diving boots on at one
0: point. I, yeah.
1: I, I, I thought he completely switched off and didn't realize that, you know, May was coming, but, um, but, you know, he, he gives you a solidity in the midfield, as you say. You know, he did carry in the traffic a few times, and as you say, with good feet, you know, got over the gain line, and, and he seems quite vocal. And you know, he, he seems to be somebody that seems to be dependable. Um, mm. But yeah, he, he doesn't seem to be at the heights that he was in last season. So, um, but again, I, I think he's got the twelve shirts certainly for the next round. And yeah, uh, but it would it would be interesting. if Scott Williams is available, but obviously, you know, that's all. What ifs, because he's not available. But, um, yeah, I, I think part at the moment is, is still, you know, got the shirt. But um, again, I don't think at the moment, I'm not saying he's necessarily got that shirt coming to the World
0: Cup as he stands anyway. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, again, ahead of the, the World Cup is, while it's only a few months away, you know, kind of, um, it's only a few months away in calendar terms. There is a hell of a lot that, that can happen between now and then. We've got two massive games to finish the Six Nations. And then you've got the warm-up games. You've got Gatland has got them in camp for a good length of time. And all kinds of things can happen there. And, you know, you think back to 2011 and the side that finished the Six Nations uh, for us then versus the side that, that went into the World Cup. You know, the the faith that he put in that then young back row of Lydia Faletau and Warburton The you kind of Reese Priestland, who was due to be due to be playing at fullback at Twickenham, then parachuted into 10 and ended up, you know, ousting James Hook and and Stephen Jones. So there's there's a huge amount that can happen. And, uh, you know, even if I think we were to go on and win the Grand Slam, I think there's a couple of positions that, that will still be up for grabs and a lot of competition in that squad.
1: Yeah, as you say, you know, injuries as well, you know, things yeah. will change. And, and like you say, you know, the, the World Cup in uh, 2011, Lydia, Fallaton Warburton is, is still my favourite trio, you know, in recent years for mm-hmm. Wales. I, I thought that just, the, the blend of it, I thought was perfect. So, um, it, it, you know, as we say, strength in death and his players there are putting their hands up and, you know, if he's, if he's taking a 31 man squad, which he says he is to the World Cup, then, you know, there's going to be some, very good players are going to be missing out and, uh, it's,
0: uh, it's going to be really interesting few months. Right, okay. great. just to finish then, player of the week for you, who's the player who has stood out the most? It's a, it's a difficult week. It's a difficult week to do that, isn't it? Oh, wow, players stood out the <laughs> most. You know, Liam Williams
1: won man of the match with the Josh Adams, um, try. You know, and again, I thought he was outstanding, but for me, you know, we've already talked about him quite a bit. Alan Wynne Jones would be my mm. pick. You know, I, I, th- I thought he led from the front. He was outstanding it's communication with the players and with the referee and, and, and getting in the Carl sinkers in as well. So, um, for me, he, he would
0: have been my, my player of the week. Yeah, it's a, fi- it's a fine choice. My, my thought, yeah, obviously Alan jones fantastic. Um, I thought Navidi was an absolute nuisance. And, you know, he continues to show what an idiot I was to think he was uh, (laughs) just a good club player. You know, he's a
1: few Cardiff Blues fans of wonder as well. So uh, you you weren't on your own. Yeah,
0: he's been outstanding. He has. And, you know, again, I just think a player who makes the most of of what he has and continues to kind of to defy. um, Yeah, to defy idiots like me. Um, So he's he's worth a shout. And obviously Liam Williams. Yeah, there's so many, but I. Josh Adams is the the one for me. Um, I just think um, he's he's growing in stature and he's such an impressive winger. And, you know, he kind of, he almost doesn't even look that, you know, he doesn't look that fashionable. He just does the right thing at the right time. And there's a lot to be said for a winger who knows how to finish off a try and who knows how to, uh, you know, knows how to take the high ball and not get turned over. He's a he's a really, really interesting player. I think his all-round skill set is set to keep him in that shirt for a while. Yeah,
1: again, as you said, he had no standing game, so uh, I can soon understand why you'd uh why you'd pick
0: in there. Week to forget. Now, this can be anyone from any any team, uh referee or any anyone of that ilk, anyone who's who's had a week to forget for you. Uh week to forget.
1: Uh Well all account kind of Glenn Jackson a stinker did yeah, he? the with the with whistle, so but uh, I've, I haven't seen that so I can't really go with that one. Um. Well, let's go with our, our friend
0: Eddie Jones, shall we? Yeah. Why not? You I know? think that's, that's <laughs> a perfect point to finish on. And uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be lying if I said uh, that I uh, I didn't enjoy him picking up that accolade. So yeah, we'll go with that. Great, it's been fantastic chatting to you. Thanks for joining us on the attacking scrum podcast and thank you very much indeed for listening we really appreciate your support and yeah the, the the listener figures have been at their absolute best during the six nations just seem to get more and more and more each week and so really appreciate you spreading the word uh as you know as you know we're just a bunch of fans chatting about the game so you know, we've got, <laughs> got no budget and stuff like that. So we're reliant on people, um, on people spreading the word and, and we really appreciate you doing that. So if you want to carry on doing that, you can leave us a review on iTunes and, uh, yeah, we make sure we'll, we'll give you a shout out. I had a very strange one, which I tweeted about this week uh where someone someone said they really enjoyed the chat but why do they insist on recording it in a toilet uh, and again it's just it's not actually in a toilet it's the echoey nature of my kitchen uh, where me and Dan usually record it um and again it's just recorded using some very primitive equipment so uh yeah uh, but enjoyed that one it made me laugh nonetheless and of course you can get in touch with us on twitter at attacking scrum on facebook either by liking our facebook page or by getting in touch on the uh, on the wales rugby fans forum that's uh, that's a a facebook group and uh, yeah also on instagram as well so give us a follow on there if that's how you like to pick up your rugby news loads more to come from us in the next few weeks thanks for listening and we'll chat to you soon Boss those bastards. One to eight Sports, social, podcast network.